Welcome to Power Yourself, where we discuss the most important topic in the world, you. We are all busy people, and there are only so many hours in the day. How can we get better at scheduling and managing our time? Today, we break down why it's so difficult and go through some of the possible ways to manage our time. And with us today is somebody who's never too busy to share their time with us. Ladies and gentlemen, Jillian Power. How are you today? I'm doing great, Carl. And how about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited about this episode because I feel like we're all coming at this one from the from the same playing field. So in some of the episodes that we've had in the past, you know, I've fully admitted there's things I know, there's some things I don't know. I feel like with this one, with managing our time, myself and you and the listeners, we all have the exact same amount of time every day. We all have the exact same amount of seconds in every day. So I'm looking forward to exploring some tips and some tricks and some strategies on how we can do more or have a higher quality result in the same day. Isn't it funny, though, that we do all have the exact same amount of time, but some people are just so efficient and, and it seems like they have way more time than us? Yeah, I feel that way when I read a really good biography of somebody who's really successful, like maybe like a really successful movie star. And you read about this amazing life and then, you know, maybe they'll pass away and they're like 64 years old. And you're thinking, they did all this in 64 years. Like, I think uh, John Lennon was 40 when he died. And I think you did all of this and you were 40 like that just it's amazing to me uh you know it really hits home with me how much people can do in a lifetime or how little some people can do in a lifetime so we're going to see if we can increase that a little bit both in quality and quantity uh, let me ask you jillian why is time management so difficult for people what's some of the barriers that we run into when we're trying to make our lives more organized or try to do more in the day well to start off first of all i think it's a necessity here to describe time management because I think time management might be really different for a whole bunch of different people. So the lens that I'm kind of putting on this, it's the ability to really manage your time with like planning and just exercising the schedule to produce the greatest outcome, whether that's like efficiency, productivity. So getting the maximization of quality and quantity out of your time. So I love that. So that's what I'm going in with. Increasing our efficiency throughout the day. We all have the exact same amount of time every day. Is there a way we can do more? That's the question that we'll be exploring today. Or is there a way we can do more at a higher quality? Yeah, and sometimes that means doing less. So that's definitely stuff we'll uh, we'll get in because I find that very interesting. Oh, hello. <laughs> all right, looking forward to that. But you said, why is it so difficult? And why I think it's so difficult... I think it's for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think it's our own expectations of what we feel we should be doing. So I think that should really plays a negative role in being effective with our time management. We almost feel that we have to do stuff for other people or we should be doing stuff to be seen a certain way or I we'll get deeper into that. But definitely I feel that people's expectations or our expectations of pleasing other people definitely get in the way of our time management because it takes up pieces of our time. Sure. So we could have listeners listening today who are thinking, hmm, Jillian and Carl are talking about time management, but when I add up all the already obligatory chores that I need to do throughout the day, there may not be much time left over anyway. So right out of the gate, much of our time is already spoken for. Yeah. And then, 
So I would look at that time and I would be like, is that, are those necessities or are those niceties or, you know, kind of prioritizing, but we'll get into that for the tips and tricks, but why it's so difficult. I would definitely say trying to please people. I would also say, um, wow, procrastination can be a really dangerous thing. We can eat up time thinking about things and not actually having that execution. So I find if we are too much in our head uh, doing that pre-thinking or kind of almost being like, oh, I'm not ready. I can't do this. I think that's a time eater as well. Definitely in our society today, technology is a huge one. Uh, We can be distracted. Oh my God, I have no time, but I'm just going to go through this Facebook feed for an hour and totally waste that piece of my time. It's so funny you mentioned that. I I know from a writing perspective and and hopefully those that have listened to the podcast from from past episodes, um, I have a background in writing. And one one of the tenets of writing is that if you come up with a great idea, you don't share it immediately with everybody else. That you keep it inside and it kind of forces you to write it out onto the page because if you were to sit in a room and tell everyone your story your brain will consider it told and you won't have the motivation to actually go and write it down and it's a similar thing with i think with facebook or with some social media it feels like you're accomplishing something if you spend 15 minutes swiping through whatever the social media app is at the end of it you feel like you've actually accomplished something but maybe you haven't but the feeling is there that's Fact. interesting. Yeah. So I wonder, is that why it's so addictive? I don't know. Yeah, I may be. <laughs> because like that's, and that's one of the reasons why I really try to detach from my phone a lot. Like you'll notice I don't carry my phone or especially when I'm in an interaction, very seldom will I ever pick my phone up from my purse or take it out visible because I find it is a time suck. Like how many times do you pick it up and look at any random app or you know, play one of those random games and seriously, an hour of your life just clicks by. So it's a, uh, it's crazy. Right. I found that with YouTube, you go oh. on there to look up one 30 second video on how to fix the sink. And the next thing you know, you're watching baby pandas three hours later and you're like, where did my afternoon go? That's exactly yeah. it. You just nailed it. <laughs> totally. So what about for you? What do you think some of the difficulties of time management will be or things that kind of get in the way of being effective with your time? Yeah, I I think you've definitely hit the nail on the head on some things in my life. I know for me, I find that I'm not a very good estimator on how long things may take in some sometimes, especially if it's a new project. So I might look at, I'll use the example of maybe I need to replace uh, a light fixture in my house, you know, so I'm a weekend warrior trying to get some chores done around the house, trying to get some renovations done. And I might say, you know what? it's going to take me three or four hours to replace this light fixture because I'm not a licensed electrician. If any electricians are listening, they're probably thinking it's a 10-minute job. But for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, I need to research it. I need to turn off all the fuses in the whole neighborhood to make sure I don't die. (laughs) And then it's a four-hour job. Well, I don't have a four-hour window. So the light bulb's been sitting there, uh, or the light fixture's been sitting there in my house now for the last two months because... I don't have a four-hour window. I don't really know if it's going to take four hours or not. It might only take 20 minutes. I don't know because I haven't done it before. So I find that for anything new, uh, another example is, you know, buying a new bed, for example. You know, if somebody has ever upsized from a queen bed to a king-size bed, it is a year process. Now, why you just don't go out and buy a king-size bed? Because logically, that's what it should be. But it's not. And everyone I've ever talked to about it 
it takes a year because you go out to stores and you're shopping and I don't like this bed, I don't like that bed, and then you can't really, it's a big decision. So I find the larger the decision, sometimes the more we put it off. Uh, painting is another one that comes up. You just, it takes years to paint a house correctly because we can't decide on the colors and setting aside an entire weekend to paint. So I think the estimation piece sometimes really plays in. So you're talking about the estimation piece, which I I can totally relate to as well. Like I feel like sometimes I'm really good with estimating how long something will take and sometimes you end up bleeding into another piece of the schedule that was meant for something else. But you're also talking about your mind as well. Like I noticed how you're talking the buildup or the critiquing that's going on before you can actually make an action. So it's interesting because where I find that one of the difficulties as well, it's nice. It's not nice to see it happening with you, but I can relate because I see that that's actually happening with you as well. Yeah. And I really like what you said earlier about the, the obligatory pieces of our life that we have, like we all have to go to work. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you've worked eight, nine, 10 hours that day, Boy, it's tough sometimes in the evening if you, if you know, well, I need to, you know, do a bit of writing or I need to do a, a chore or I need even sometimes taking out the garbage is a monumental task in our lives. Uh, taking the kids to soccer practice or getting groceries shopped. These are, these are things where we're, we're already tired. Our gas tank is already low. So it's, it's interesting. I've heard people talk about instead of managing our time we have to manage our time and also manage our energy we at the same time our mental energy and our physical energy so i do enjoy how those things are intertwined i feel like there's a path to success in there somewhere so that we can become more efficient and we can also increase our output i think that's well said well let's take a look here at tips for managing our time we know it's hard so we know what it is we know that it's hard and difficult to do so let's take a look at tips for managing time. And I know, Jillian, you're, you're a big fan of scheduling. And I wonder if you could maybe talk through that idea of the power of scheduling and why you think this would be a, a tip or a trick that could work for many of our listeners. Uh, I think scheduling, for me, when I first heard it, I totally doubted it, critiqued it, and did not want to be a part of it. <laughs> oh, you should be in sales. This is a great start. <laughs> but the thing is, though, once I tried it, because so many people who I deem as successful really preached that piece, really talked about like scheduling, schedule even like here's the thing that I found weird, scheduling time for you, even scheduling unscheduled time. So time that you can kind of take and do whatever or scheduling gym time. Like I found that has been the most successful way to me keeping with a current and continuous gym schedule is by just already having that time slot in your calendar. So it's taking out the thought process. So I know going into this, my thing was like I was overanalyzing and I was trying to almost pre-do something in my head because I thought it would be easier than when I went to do it. Because right. if I thought of all the things that could go wrong and how I would fix that, I would be better equipped. When in reality, I was eating up a lot of time. So by me scheduling something, so let's say scheduling exactly what we do, we prep meals. So scheduling that three hours to cook 
three meals. We're scheduling the time to go to the grocery store. We're scheduling time to go spend with my niece and my nephew so I can have that quality time with them without even trying to decide a day of the week, just knowing that that is in my schedule at that time. So I will do it then. And what I like about the scheduling piece of it, I think, and I love what you said about it at the, fir- at the first glance, you were maybe a bit reluctant, but once you'd started it, it became really powerful. I, I think one of the things I really like about the scheduling piece is that it feels at first glance like it's going to really make your mind busy. Oh, I've got all these appointments on the go. But if you schedule them and put them in an iPad or if you schedule and put them in a notebook, I think the opposite is true. It actually frees up a lot of your mental energy. You don't need to constantly worry about when this is going to happen. It's already written down. So that's exactly it. And that's what it did. And I didn't realize how much time I was actually eating up in that mental prep energy Versus now where it's already in my schedule, it comes up telling me that this is what I'm doing. My thought process is out of it. It's no, I don't have a decision to make here. This is what I'm doing. Yeah, I like the idea of there's a concept out there called decision fatigue, which is the, the idea that we only have so many decisions we can make in a day and then we kind of run out of steam. We just don't have the mental energy anymore. So kind of taking from one bucket and saying, well, no, I'm going to, instead of worrying about when these are going to happen, we'll schedule them in advance and that'll free up more energy in that little bucket that we can then use for our day-to-day actual living rather than worrying or trying to decide on the future. Isn't it a crazy concept though? It is, That we honestly do waste energy thinking about things too much before we do it or thinking about what we're going to do. Yeah. It was crazy. And once that was put to me, um, I heard that when we were redefining what we were going to, how we were going to eat, how our lifestyle kind of eating was going to change. And they talked about just, and I can't remember who, but that will be, I'll make sure it's one of our posts that we put on Facebook so that people can have that information because we are talking about it right now. Absolutely. But I remember them saying how if you don't set yourself up to succeed, and by that they meant scheduling and having kind of your meal already planned out for, then when it comes time to make the decision in the moment, it's exactly what you just said. I'm so tired because I've just made the decision to go to work because it's still making this decision. I've made the decision to do, you know, those five tasks. I've, you know, had to decide what I was, what time I was going to come home or if I was going to stop along the way. So by the time I came home to actually eat, I was so bloody tired that it was just like food in face good (laughs) thinking bad don't want to think and you you perfectly said it it's because i was so drained i was just so physically taxed out i was so checked out that by the time it came to make a good decision for eating or going to the gym it was like you know what I don't have it in me today. I'll do it tomorrow. So you put it off. And it makes sense, I think. Like, it's not, maybe not intuitive, but it makes sense because we have a physical store of energy that is not an infinite amount. I remember you and I went hiking and I need, I occasionally, we need to sit down and have a break Mm -hmm. because we, we exhaust ourselves. And I think it's maybe not because, maybe because we can't see it. Uh, the idea that we get mentally exhausted, it, it's just as real. There's a set of reserves that we draw on, and when those reserves get down to zero, we don't have the capacity to make a great decision anymore. And I think that's when we become susceptible to maybe 
some less than healthy options in our life. This is where we could say, you know what, we're going to eat the junk food or we're going to get the pop and the chips and or maybe we'll go to the casino or whatever it is. And I mean, hey, we're all allowed to have a, a treat now and then. But I think sometimes people can can use those as reasons to feel better rather than truly exploring their emotions because that takes energy and they might not have that energy in their reserves. Oh, Carl, please write this down because this is a whole topic that I want to do a whole podcast about. And that is the whole emotional eating part. And as opposed to taking the time to invest in yourself, just doing something exterior to make yourself feel good. Sure. I will write it down because yeah. I have the energy to do so. <laughs> Thank you very much. Awesome. Let's also talk about uh, I, I wanted to bring up this this model that I found when we were researching for this episode, and it's a model that was created by Stephen Covey, who's a pretty famous author. He's been around for many years, and the idea is prioritizing the uh, the goal, prioritizing your goals, and prioritizing the chores in your life. So Stephen Covey's got four categories of work. So you can kind of on a on a piece of paper, you can take a full size, you know, eight and a half by eleven piece of paper, and you can draw a big square or a big rectangle and divide it into four quadrants and then you can write at the top left you can write important and urgent so you could write that in the top left important and urgent and then in the top right you can write important but not urgent and those are tasks that are important but upon a closer examination they really aren't so you can decide when to do those on the bottom left you can write urgent but not important so those are the tasks that make the most noise in your life but they don't really have any lasting value. And then on the bottom right, you can write down not urgent and not important. And these are the little time fillers. You can do these later. This is the low priority stuff. And I really like this model because you can sit down and you can really visually, I'm a visual learner. Mm -hmm. And of course, everybody learns slightly differently. And I'm a visual learner. I like to write things down and look at them. And I thought, boy, you know, if I have my weeks of chores ahead of me, and I don't use chores in a negative context. A chore is just something in my mind that I need to write down and accomplish. It could be a goal. And I like the idea of writing those down and then really mapping them out and saying, wow, how many do I have in each quadrant? And am I really being honest about the urgency and about the importance of those tasks? And I like what you said earlier about really analyzing that. Is this truly an important thing in my life that I need to get accomplished? And that's definitely a useful tool to do for even before you schedule. So let's say if we use that grid. So I think, first of all, prioritizing is huge. And I think it's something that we need to do to be successful and I think we need to reevaluate every so often because what we think is a priority yesterday it might not technically be a priority today so I think this sheet or the grid that you're talking about I think it can be a really useful tool just to say maybe even those maximum priority things that you need to achieve in a week maybe you do have that deadline that it needs to be done you know, maybe by making them that priority, maybe that means you do schedule those. Maybe those are the ones you physically schedule. And then the other things in your your day that you've scheduled for that unscheduled time, maybe it's for those lesser priority kind of uh, elements that you want to achieve. Yeah, it, I, I find it fascinating when I run into people who don't ever take time for themselves. And I, I love what you said earlier about scheduling time like chunks of time for self-care and it could be something like watching a tv or like for example you know a new movie comes out on netflix that i'm really excited about setting aside the two and a half hours to watch that movie and it may not be intuitive 
because you might think, well, that's that's not a chore, that's not a goal, but it but it could be if that's if if enjoyment is a goal in your life, if you're truly trying to enjoy your life, you may have to schedule that time in, and that means turning off the phone, uh, saying no to people. And I think that's a big one that I wanted to ask you about is the power of saying no to people, being a people pleaser, or saying you know how do we how do we structure our lives in such a way that we're comfortable saying no to people when they ask us for things. Well, I think it's definitely a balance and it's a hard thing. But at the end of the day, by you trying to please everybody else, you're not going to please yourself. You're just going to be drained and spread really, really thin. So I would rather somebody in my life tell me they don't have time to do something because when they're with me, they want it to be quality time. So I would... I would definitely honor that person more as opposed to the person who's just trying to squeeze me in and fit me in because it's something they feel it's what I need. So I don't know, like for me saying no, it's pretty easy. Uh, I think before it was really, really hard because I think I was more of a people pleaser then. But once I kind of fell, I will say, in love with myself and I made myself the number one priority, I found it's much easier to say no because my time is very valuable. Like it is. I feel it's a gift. <laughs> I don't want to sound really conceited here, but I feel everybody should feel this way. So I just want to let that <laughs> you know that like I don't feel that this is only my feeling or only Carl's feeling because we've had these discussions before. It is. It's a gift. It's a gift to spend time with me. And my time is very valuable. So I am going to be very critical or very picky on who gets my time. Yeah. And I like what you say there. I don't, for me, my ears, I've known you for many years. I don't feel that it sounds conceited. What I hear when I, when I hear that is that when I do spend time with you, I get to spend time with all of you. I get, I get all of you. You're not on a phone. You're not looking out the window. You're not distracted. You're not uh, disengaged. I get the real you. I get to deal with the real you. And I, th and I would rather deal with the real you than deal with half of you. And so I feel like and you have before you've oh, definitely sure, dealt yeah. with me when I'm, I'm feeling scattered or I'm totally like not fully present. And I feel that's a ripoff for you just as well as it is for me. Right. I think that's really well put that you're investing time in yourself when you're saying I'm going to set aside a chunk of time to watch a movie or take a bath or go for a run or do whatever it is that that's not it's not selfish in a bad way it is selfish but it's selfish in a good way mm -hmm. it's selfish saying look i'm going to invest time in the most important asset that i have in my entire life which is me mm -hmm. and i feel like you know we spend this time we renovate a house or we look after a car well the most important asset aren't those things it's it's us it's our body it's our mind it's our spirit and if we're not going to invest the time in that nothing else really matters at the end of the day well and then what do we have to offer anybody else if we don't have that you know and I'm sure we'll get into this you know in other episodes and we've touched on it in previous ones but yeah it's that investing time it's putting yourself as a priority and being okay with that being okay with saying you know what like for example for me I schedule, I will only do two social things on the weekend. That might sound crazy to a lot of people. But for me, no. Two social things, that's it. And I mean like the whole Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So two different things that I will do with different groups of people or different people that I will schedule for myself. I will not go more than that because I feel rushed. I feel like I'm scattered and I don't feel fully there and fully present. So for me, a priority 
is giving quality time to my friends. So I have to make sure that I'm going to be at a quality state when I see them as opposed to just fitting them in. So I like the idea that you've, that you've done the work on yourself to be aware on whether or not a social activity energizes you or the social activity drains you. And I know you well enough that after two social activities, no matter how great they are, they could be the most wonderful house party in the world, you're drained. And I, you said, look, I just don't <laughs> want to go out anymore. So for you, and I know you've used this terminology with me, you'll spend a Sunday afternoon or whatever reading or in a quiet space, literally recharging your batteries. And I love that analogy because that's how it feels, I think, is you're growing like a flower in the sun saying I'm literally getting more energized being by myself and re-energizing my, my soul and my mental energy. Yeah, and I look at it like I've invested. So say us. This is time that we set away, you know, a couple of weeks ago saying that we will do podcasts today. You know, so this was a chunk of time that I knew I had to be present and prepared for. So for me to do that, last night I did not do anything. Last night I sat down with my notebook and I made sure I was up to date and current on my thoughts about the topic so that I could fully be here for us. And exactly like I will do this evening, I will probably detach from um, like the public eye, let's say. And maybe that means a really long walk. It'll definitely entail a bath with lots of Epsom salts. <laughs> and maybe, yeah, exactly like a book and just reading and feeling like I'm investing in me now because I feel like I've just shared that with other people. So if there's listeners listening today thinking, yeah, that's all great, Jillian, but, but I'm different than you. I have many friends in my life that are tugging on me in all different directions. Can you, can you give us some tips on how you made the mind shift of being a people pleaser into saying no? Is there, is it, a situation where you want to do the work with the friendship or with the relationship so where you can get to that honest place where you can say to them for real, I don't want to help you because I need to focus on myself. Is that sort of the ultimate goal in mind? I, what, what, and I guess where I'm coming from on this is I, I know people in my life that they would never in a million years if they, let's say they get invited out for dinner and they say to me, oh, I don't really want to go to this dinner, but I need to make up an excuse. I'm going to tell them I'm sick or anything. And I'm just thinking, well, and I'm not trying to sound high and mighty, but I'm just, I'm very fortunate. The friends in my life, if I didn't want to go to dinner, I would say, sorry, it's not going to work. I'm really bagged after working all week and I just don't have the mental energy and I don't want to go. And I don't think they would be insulted by it. They would say, oh, well, thank you for your honesty. It's not an insult to them. But there's other people that I know that they would never in a million years ever have the comfort level to say that. Is that a goal that, that maybe we shoot for is to try to get the relationship to that level of honesty where you can say, sometimes I'm going to say no and I hope you're okay with that. Well, that's always a goal for me, uh, for my quality of friends. My friends know that if I'm bagged or I'm checked out or I'm stressed or I, I can't be there, they know that I'm going to say I can't do it. And they know how hard that is for me because I, especially when I schedule something, when I schedule something, I really always love to honor it. I have, a, I have trouble when I can't honor it. But when I have to put myself first, I am, I'm very proud of myself when I can say, you know what, I know this is scheduled, but I, I can't physically show up to this right now. And I think the friends that I have surrounding me in my life, they know that if I'm saying, I can't do this, they know it's just not 
because I don't like, eh, I don't really want to go there or I got better plans. They know that that's not why. And they know, well, I would hope that they know, or I feel that they know that, or they respect me enough to give me that leeway. They allow me that opportunity to say, you know what, I can't show up because I would encourage them to do the same. So I feel, yes, for me, it is a goal because I need that transparency. I need that trust with my friends. So any good friend in my life, I love spending time with them. Love it. Absolutely love it. But I need a level of honesty. I find a friend, somebody who you can be that raw self with. I think it would be beautiful if we could be that way with everybody. And that's definitely a goal. So I feel by showing up and be really honest with people, it's a way to hopefully trickle that chain of action so that was people would be like, oh, I really respect it that she told me she couldn't and she didn't give me an excuse. And maybe that means they might do it in the future. Or maybe, you know what, that's not their cup of tea and that's okay. But for me, that honesty of always kind of showing up and being truthful it really speaks to me. So I need that both in my friends and I would say I need that kind of in all my interactions. I try to show up and be honest. But I kind of want to make a, just a, acknowledge a difference here. So I kind of associate more with an introvert, I will say, with extrovert tendencies. So I can do the, so for introvert guys, it just means I, to recharge, I need time alone and I need time to invest in me. And an extrovert, somebody who gets energy from other people, okay? So an example of that might be if you picture, say, you're sitting at home and the phone rings and someone says, hey, we have a dinner party tonight. At the end of that dinner party, if you're more energized, you would be an extrovert. And if at the end of the dinner party you were less energized or really tired, you said, oh, man, I can barely function, you would be a, an introvert. And those are extreme examples, but those we fall in that continuum somewhere. Exactly. And that's simply put and beautifully put to kind of give people that understanding of the difference and I think that's another episode that we will go into as well because I always thought I actually was an extrovert till I did some research so we'll definitely man we're getting lots of podcast topics (laughs) just by doing one but that's something I want to acknowledge here so because I say no to people because I need to invest in me that's not necessarily what's going to work for everybody else. So I think that self-awareness piece with time management is a really big thing. You have to know yourself, okay? You have to, first of all, be really honest with yourself, okay? Do I need time alone here? Do I need to invest in myself inward here? Do I need to go out and get socially energized? I think those are things that's really important to take note of what does it for you. So to say that everybody should be really good with saying no to people, well, maybe that's not like that solo time isn't something that they need as a priority. It is for me. So it is something I will hold dear and definitely think is a is a must for me to manage my time correctly. So not for everybody, but you know, it depends on kind of how you get your energy. Fantastic. So let's do a quick recap and then we have a few more tips that we want to get to. So just a quick recap. Um, You know, when we start talking about time management and scheduling, know your goals. Okay. Make sure you're engaging in in activities that support your long-term goals. And reevaluate those goals. Don't be afraid to, if that was your goal last year, 
that might not actually be your goal this year. So be okay to juggle it around or switch it around. Our priorities change. We change as people on a daily basis. We talked about prioritizing. So prioritize wisely. You can create a model that was used by Stephen Covey. And it's a quick Google. You can just Google Stephen Covey um, time management model. And again, there's just four quadrants that we discussed. You can talk about just saying no. So ask yourself, are you a people pleaser? Why is it so difficult to say no? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I wanted to talk next about planning ahead. I love this idea of taking 15 minutes at the end of the day or 15 minutes at the start of the day and writing down, uh, mapping out what needs to happen. So you can invest in the day rather than just spending time fluttering from task to task. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think this really gets into the scheduling piece that, that you really enjoy. It does, and it's setting up like a go-to list for your day or like you said, like a to-do list, like things that you have to do over the weekend. I think it's, yeah, it's setting, for me, I would see it as setting yourself up for success, looking at the day and seeing what you need to accomplish. So for example, maybe if you're having people over that evening, okay, prime example. So when I get up to feel organized and to feel like I have control of the day, I have to write things out that I need to achieve. Okay, so I probably need to tidy up the kitchen because it's usually the messiest place in the house. Um, I need to, maybe I need to make that dip that I was going to make for games night. I need to mop the floors, you know, and prep for people coming over. I need to go to the store and get the food that I wanted to have. I maybe need to stop to a liquor store or whatever kind of stuff you want to have at your party and have it there so you're not running out at the last minute. So to be organized. What I really like about that is you're taking a large task and you're breaking it down into subtasks underneath it. And, you know, if you have a really large task, maybe it's like getting children ready for the school year. That might be a large task. And you could break that down into 20 or 30 subtasks that might take you a number of days to get through. But as you check them off, I imagine there's a feeling of confidence and a feeling of accomplishment as you're doing it. So rather than saying, oh, I have this one large task, I have to get little Johnny ready for grade three at the start of September, you can break it out into 30 subtasks and you can really knock those off over the next, say, three weeks throughout the summer. And instead of it being a negative, huge task looming over your head like a thundercloud, now you've got these 30 subtasks and every day or every hour you're banging one out and you're going, hey, this feels great. I'm actually accomplishing quite a bit. And Carl, I think that's beautiful. That's absolutely perfect and so well put. If you take something really big and put it into achievable, attainable goals, it makes it so much easier and so much almost more pleasurable to do. So perfect example of getting your kid ready to school. Well, maybe that means getting five notebooks and maybe it means getting a pack of pens, a pack of crayons, a pack of pencil crayons and a pencil case. And then maybe it means a school bag and new snooker sneakers snookers <laughs> so sneakers and then maybe it means getting two new outfits you know like making it into those achievable small things that exactly like you just said it doesn't need to be done all in one day why not do five things a week for the last like three weeks or four weeks before school starts you know it's always a way to break things down into smaller attainable goals that will help you get to that end goal even faster because you're you're conquering those small ones and before you know it you will have that 
big goal really checked off there. It's funny that leads us into the next uh, topic is about delegating. And I know that, um, you know, when we think of delegating, we think of, well, let's just get someone else to buy little Johnny's clothes for him for the school year and we can sit there and watch Netflix. But what I like about delegating is that we can also employ multitasking. And I know multitasking is a dirty word. People are getting their tomatoes ready to throw at me as I start talking about multitasking. I have a tomato here right now that Absolutely. I want to throw at you. I'm terrified. And what I feel about multitasking is not so much that we're doing two things at once where we're losing um, we're losing our focus, but we could, in some instances, combine some tasks together. So for example, if you have a whole bunch of shopping you need to do, rather than go out four times throughout the week, you can have one big shop. You can go out Saturday morning and get it all done. Another example would be, maybe I need to go out and shop for little Johnny getting ready for school, but I also want to have a visit with a relative or with a friend. Well, one idea would be to invite that friend along and go shopping together. And say, well, now we're going to spend the afternoon together. We're going to enjoy our time together at the mall, but I'm also shopping for little Johnny stuff. So you can actually have a visit while you're doing this other things. So what I like is the idea of us mapping out the chores that we need to get done and seeing if there's ways we can combine them into a more efficient pattern. Maybe all the shopping is done. I love how you talk about the meal planning. So for those that are maybe new listeners to the podcast, Jillian loves to spend three hours on the weekend planning all your, or preparing, physically making all your meals for the week. So, so what, does that, what does that look like? So instead of spending an hour a night preparing and eating a meal, you're spending three hours at the start of the week preparing all your meals. Yeah, so we do it on Sundays. So one per, we rotate who goes and gets everything we need for the groceries. So we sit down. One person does the meal list for the whole week. The other person goes to the grocery store. And then we both go in the kitchen for two, hour, or two to three hours and really physically cook everything. So that once again, when I come home tired at the end of the day, I'm not going to fail and open up a bag of Doritos that does not exist at my house. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but if they were, you know what I mean? Right. Or open up the can of, or tub of Nutella, which is like my go-to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's things that I do to set myself up for success. So I know that that three hours on a Sunday, I have to have that time scheduled for. Because if I don't, then it has to be done Monday. And I know my energy is a little bit low on Monday because I've worked all day. So I'm usually, it's my first day usually back to work. So I'm usually pretty tired when I come home on Monday. So if you look at my calendar, I have absolutely nothing ever booked on a Monday. Very rarely will I say yes to do something social on a Monday because I know my energy is pretty low. It's funny too about when you mentioned making the dinner uh, I'm in the same boat, but it's with ironing clothes. Um, so uh, it's kind of funny. I have two quick little stories about the ways I've improved my life over the last year to actually free up time in my life. And it's I know it may sound mundane, oh, ironing clothes, who cares? So It's prepping. It is. It's prepping. Okay. And it's time that I feel I could spend better. I don't particularly enjoy ironing clothes. So that's where this is coming from. So I've done the work. And so I'm just using kind of the model here that we're talking about. I know my goals. My goal is that I want to free up some more time. I've prioritized. I said, well, I don't really value ironing my clothes. Now, I don't want to show up in my life with wrinkly clothes. So I need to figure out a solution where I can free up my time. So what I've done is I've gone to the men's store and I've purchased non-iron shirts. These are shirts that I'd never have to iron. Now, I iron them twice a year just to make sure there's creases, but they're brilliant. They come out of the wash, you hang them up to dry, and they're completely good to go. It's fascinating. 
Don't know how it works. Not sure. The astronauts are involved somehow, but this the fabric is space age. So these are dress shirts that I do not have to iron. So rather than spend $15 on a shirt, I'm spending $30 on a shirt, but I don't have to iron them ever. So to me, I now have an arsenal of shirts in my closet that is saving me hours a month because I don't have to iron. The other thing I did is instead of buying packages of mixed dress socks, I've bought only black dress socks. They're all the same. So rather than spending a half an hour a week laying out like a police lineup all my different socks and trying to match them all up, they're all black. I just pick any two socks. They're the exact same. Put them together. Put them in my drawer. It's safe. And I know this sounds mundane, but it saves literally an hour a week. No, well, it totally does. Like I can see how it would. Yeah. And I'm thinking there may be more out there. So as I continue to find new ways to save some time, these are not, it's not like I'm, my life is worse off because I'm wearing black socks instead of Argyle socks. I'm, I'm not sitting here going, oh, this is a real shame. No, I don't really care. Well, I'm not looking at my feet all day, so I don't really care. You're prioritizing what's important to you. Exactly. And what's important to you, what it sounds like to me, is your time versus this prep of what you're going to wear and how unwrinkly or matching totally. it's going to be. Totally. Yeah. So uh, there's little things that are powerful ways we can improve our lives. I love the idea of combining all of my ironing, because I do have to iron some clothes, combining them all into that Sunday afternoon window. So it's so funny, when you're making your meals, I'm at home ironing my clothes. It's the same thing. And rather than ironing a little bit every night, which some people may get into, or maybe you really want to watch that movie or a show, maybe you combine those activities together. You watch the show. If you don't have to constantly stare at the show, you know, sometimes TV, like a soccer game or something, you can just have it on in the background. Watch that while you're ironing. You can get two things done at once. So, which is why I'm happy you circled back to the multitasking because it is a negative word and I feel it's a negative word for a reason. So what you're describing to me, I liked how you said combining activities. So let's stick with that word. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> because you're seeing what really goes together and what you could do at the same time that's not taking away from each of the kind of the events. So multitasking is when you are trying to fit too much in and you're trying to divide your time, which guys, honestly, it's, it's not successful. Okay. I know we went through a couple of years there where it was said that it was so successful and it was seen as an asset. It's actually not. Okay. So it's proven that you cannot properly divide your time. So if, so what Carl was saying is when you're doing a task that maybe doesn't involve that kind of devotion or that thinking piece or that really dedicated need your mind sharp piece so maybe like the ironing so ironing and watching tv i think is like a bang on job because you can watch the movie and actually still iron or for me when i have to do something like that that i don't really love doing i will probably put a podcast on and i will listen to that or even at the gym when i go to a gym i always listen to a podcast because I feel I can do both and be very successful with listening and doing an action. I just can't be successful with doing two mental actions at the same time. I I love how you say that with the two mental actions. It's funny. I was just in New York City recently and I was walking along the waterfront. So I'm right down near Wall Street and there's a lot of these high stress investment bankers going for jogs. It's like 430 in the afternoon and they're jogging up by the riverfront every third person was on their phone. They had little earbuds in and they were talking on a phone as they were jogging. And I thought, 
Well, that is combining two activities. You don't have to constantly concentrate while you're running. So they're making business calls while they're running along the waterfront. Oh and I thought, God. this is so New York, right? And I just love that idea that rather than saying, hmm, I have to make a phone call today. I don't have time for a run. They say, well, no, no, I'm doing both. I can take care of both at the same time. I can do a physical activity and a mental activity. And the two don't really overlap. They just happen to be done at the same time. And so really good distinction here. And I love it how we're talking about like we can do mental and physical at the same time. But let's say that physical was actually our um, self-rejuvenation time. And let's say that was my time to take for me and as an introvert, really recharge myself. Well, guys, I would have to know. So back to the awareness piece, I would have to know that I would not be able to listen to a telephone call and participate in talking at that time. I would physically need to be present. So just understanding what's your goal for the activity you're doing. And if it is recharging yourself, you have to be able to respect yourself self enough to say, you know what? No, this is all I'm doing right now. This needs my whole devotion, my whole time. And I'm going to honor myself and respect myself enough to do that. One last uh, point that we want to make here before we wrap up the podcast. I, I love the idea. We're kind of circling back to the start is taking an inventory of how we're spending our time now before we even decide to make a change. So if you're sitting at home wondering, hmm, how do I get started? I love the idea of taking an inventory. So watching how we spend our time. So what we might want to do is for the first week before you even try to change your life, just literally have a journal and write down how you're spending your time. So you might have a calendar or you could do it on your iPad or your phone or a piece of paper and basically chronicle how you're spending your time. And then at the end of the week, you can look back on it and say, how much time w was I spending on Facebook? How much time was I spending watching TV? Was it enough? Was it too much? Do I need to change these things? And is there ways that I can combine these together, make them more efficient or eliminate things altogether? There's so many good possibilities out of what you just said, Carl. Like not only is it telling you your tendencies and what your time eaters are. So like if you are unconsciously on your phone, kind of just like droning away or maybe watching a series in Netflix, like not only will you recognize that, you'll also start to notice when you're the most productive in your day. And I think that's essential to know when you're scheduling. So if I know, so for example, for me and a work day, I know I am probably at my best in the morning. Okay. Once I come to the evening, I've probably had the weight of the day. I'm probably more tired. I'm not as peppy. So for teaching, I will always try to train in the morning sections of the day. Okay. Because I know I'm at my best for energy. I'm at my peak and I could probably give a lot more to my classes. So guys, it's about acknowledging and being self-aware. Once you're doing that list that Carl's talking about of dialogue or dialogue, diarying everything that you're doing for the day, then acknowledge to when you're the most productive because that's when you're probably going to put those maximum priority events. Yeah, I like what you say about being productive. For myself, as, I'm, as you're talking, I'm listening and I'm thinking, hmm, when am I most productive? And I think for me, it depends on the task. So I really enjoy, for example, doing sort of mindless tasks like, say, yard work. I'll do that typically in the evening. I, won't, I don't really like to get up first thing in the morning and do yard work. And I wonder, hmm, why is that? Oh, because in the morning, when I'm most mentally um, ready to go, that's when I enjoy doing writing. 
So I'll do my writing in the morning and I'll do sort of manual tasks like maybe drawing or yard work in the evening. So for me, that's what works. I'm not saying that's what works for everybody, but it's funny. It's, it's that self-awareness. Yeah, the self-awareness piece. You know, for me, there's a there's windows of time where I feel like uh, it, is, it feels like a good fit. And if there's a way we can uh, uh, move the tasks into those windows, we're kind of aligning them saying, okay, we're now at our best to get these tasks accomplished. And it's about being honest and transparent and self-aware, guys. So I think the big thing with time management is, are you being honest with yourself and with the people around you? Or are you just trying to people please and do as much as you can to please everybody else. So really take a look at that and make sure you're being honest, not only with yourself, but with others. Try to look at those priorities that me and Carl were talking about. Where do they rank, as Carl said, on the priority list? Really going through that and once again, bringing that honesty to that. Even reevaluating and seeing way wait, is this still really that important to me? Just little tools like that can help you be just as successful with time management. So scheduling your time, making those priorities, and being honest would be my top three t tips, I would say. It all comes back to honesty. No shortcuts in this life, but it's well worth the time and the effort that we put in. Thank you, Jillian. This has been an, another amazing podcast. Uh, I want to encourage everybody to go on our social media site. We have a Facebook page, and we encourage you to like us, follow us. You can ask a question or comment. We encourage you to get involved, and the name of the Facebook page is called Power Yourself. It's on Facebook. Type in Power Yourself. And we also, you can go into iTunes. We have an iTunes um, spot. Uh, I, I'm sounding like a somebody who doesn't understand technology on, on iTunes. We have a power yourself podcast. That's where it sits. And we encourage you to go in and leave a review so you can go in and you can go from one star all the way up to five star. So you can leave us a, a rating and you can also type in a review and we would love it if you could take five minutes and do that. It really would help us out. And we, as always, we encourage you to get involved. If you have a comment or a question, you can feel free to reach out to us through the Facebook page or you can leave a review on the iTunes page. That would be amazing. That's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Carl. I'm Jill. And we will talk to you next time on Power Yourself. Thank you so much.